Welcome back, everyone, to another segment of Rabbi Jeff's Pirkei Avashir, where we attempt to understand the meaning behind the instructions of our sages and how it's relevant to our lives today. We do this, of course, using the thoughts of our teachers before us and try to make them applicable to our times. Feel free, please, to contact me with any comments or questions at rjfromlj at aol.com. The Pirkei Avis podcast is a project of the Intentional Jew Podcast Network, where we actively encourage Jews to think and engage in the search of how to be intentionally Jewish. Check us out on intentionaljew.com. Okay, today's Mishnah. Again, very exciting Mishnah. Um, mostly because, as you're going to see, you're going to wonder when we learn this Mishnah exactly what the, what's the message that we're being taught, which really we try to uncover in, in every Mishnah. But the Mishnah says like this, a cult suffering says that God sees everything. And man can do what he wants. Meaning that he has bechira, he's got free choice, as we spoke about yesterday. Man is judged with compassion. And man is judged according to the majority of his deeds. Now, on the simplest level, what the mission is telling us is that the world works with Hashgacha. God watches, he sees everything. But even though there is Hashgacha, even though God knows everything and sees everything, nevertheless, that doesn't contradict the fact that human beings have the ability to do what they choose. We have the ability for free choice. And we're judged with compassion, though we do make wrong choices. And the way that God views us is according to the Rav Masa, according to the majority of deeds. Now, the truth is, is that, well, there's nothing controversial about that. There's nothing controversial. It's perhaps the most difficult question in Jewish philosophy is how to understand the fact that God knows everything, and yet we still have free choice. And it's, it's one of these conundrums, and we understand that it's not really a conundrum because it's dealing in God's world. And in God's world, God can do things that we can't understand. We have, no, we have no clue of what's going on in God's world, and therefore we have no real understanding of how it's possible to have these two concepts running at the same time. The truth is we don't know what it means to know everything. That how does God know everything? How does God know what we're going to do? We can say those words that God knows everything, but we can't really understand them. In the same way that I can never tell you what childbirth is like. I could use words to describe childbirth. I can tell you what my wife's told me about it. I can tell you what I've read about it, but I can't tell you what it's like because I've never experienced it or never experienced anything that is even analogous to it. You know, kidney stones don't count, right? It's not, that, that's not the same. It's not the same as childbirth. And therefore, the most I can do is to use words to describe something that I myself can't ever really experience. When we talk about that God has knowledge, God knows everything, all we can do is use words to describe that. We don't have no clue what that really means because that's not something that we have in the realm of our abilities. Nevertheless, even though this is something that's outside of, the, outside of the scope of our understanding, we accept this. We accept that God knows. We also accept that we are given free choice and that the two things in God's world don't contradict each other. Okay, but we know this. 
This is a basic Jewish concept. What's it doing here in Pirkei What's the chiddush? What's the nuance of law that's being taught to us in this Mishnah? What is the ethical message of this Mishnah? What is this Mishnah expecting me to walk away from it other than the knowledge that God knows I have free choice and depending on the majority of my deeds is the way I'm going to be judged. It's, it's, like I say, it's Pasha. It's obvious. So obviously, there's something else that is being taught to us in this Mishnah that we need to understand. Let's take a left turn. And let's talk for a moment about the Yud Gimel Midos, the 13 divine attributes of God. That we know, we're taught, Hashem Hashem Kel Rachel Mechanun Erech HaPayim Rav Chesed V'yemet Notzer Chesed Alafim Nosi Ovin Veshavach HaTov and HaKeim that we understand that there are 13 attributes that describe God's mercy. We know that there is a brisk crusal, that there is a covenant that is forged between those words and the Jewish people. That God says to the Jewish people that anytime you get into trouble, if you say those, those 13 words, you say those 13 attributes, and you, you say them in front of me, then I will forgive you for your transgressions and I'll save the Jewish people. This Yud Gimomidos appears on fast days. It appears in certain nuschaos of davening every single day of the year. It appears, except for Shabbos, it appears on, Rosh Hash, on Yom Kippur. It appears in Slichos. It is the refrain, it's the chorus during Slichos, that we say over and over again, Hashem Hashem Kirachu Mechanun. And it's said usually with a lot of power, with a lot of energy. Because God has promised us that when we say the Yud Gimel Midos, so then that is going to avert danger for the Jewish people. When God taught this to Moshe, the matter says that God dressed up like a chazan. He was misatev. He dressed up. He put like a talus over his head dressed up like a chazan, and taught Moshe how to say this formula. Why did God need to dress up as a chazan, an audiovisual um, aid in order to be able to teach us, teach Moshe this, the, these 13 words? You know, I, I promise you, even those of you that, are, that, that don't necessarily speak Hebrew great, I can get you. 10 minutes, I can have you saying these words. Not a problem. I think, I think Moses, the guy who gave us the Torah, probably could have chopped pretty quick. He didn't need the audio-visual aid. He didn't need God to dress up in a Purim costume and to show him how to say these 13, 13 things. What was with the talus? What was with God showing him, dressing up like a chazan, being misatif like a chazan, and showing him how to say these, um, these 13 words, these 13, these 13 attributes? Plus, is this now magic? We press the button and everything goes away. We say these words and God says, okay, I forgive you. What happened to tshuva? What happened to repentance? What happened to change? What happened to actually doing something rather than just saying words? Words are great, but words alone don't affect change. Change affects change. So what is this concept of the recitation of the 13 Midas? We know that there are two names of God. When the Torah begins in the first book of Bracious, in the general story of creation of the world, 
It says, Bracious Bara Elikim. Vayoimer Elikim. It's the name Elokim that appears throughout the first chapter. In the second chapter of Bracious, when we start to deal with the details of the creation of the human being, suddenly it says, Adunoi Elohim. The Yudke Vavke, the ineffable name of God, that name is introduced. Now this question of why the first chapter says Elohim and the second chapter says, um, says Hashem Elohim, that question has been dealt with by, by all of our commentaries. And the truth is that that question was one of the things that gave birth to the who wrote the Bible concept. In other words, to the, um, to, to the biblical critics who look at the Bible and say it was written by a group of men. And there is the Elohim document and there is the Hashem document. And those two accounts were woven together. They were inter, interwoven together. And that was... The, the, that eventually became the Torah. We have a very different way of understanding it. We understand that it's not two authors or two speakers, but that it's two aspects of God. And that the name Elohim speaks of God's judge, judgment, of ju- God's justice, of din. The name Yudke Vavke, the name of Hashem, was, is, and will always be, that name bespeaks of the Midas HaChesed, the Midas HaRachman, God's mercy and God's kindness. And those names consistently appear throughout the Torah and Tanakh. And that when they appear, there is, you, you can see in the context, when the name Elohim is used, it's talking about judgment, the God of judgment, a, a black and white concept. When we talk about the name Hashem, you, the context of where that name appears is mercy, is kindness. We understand that when God created the world, he created the world first as a world of justice. It was a black and white world. It was 100% or zero. It was all or nothing. But then when he created man, Chazal tell us, he realized that man with Bechira, with free choice, was not going to be able to live in a world of 100% was not going to be able to live in a black and white world. And therefore, man needed mercy. Man needed kindness. And therefore, God had to mitigate his, his, mercy, his, his judgment with mercy. And he introduced this second aspect. He introduced Hashem Elikim. So the question that we have to ask is, is that if God introduced mercy, And in the end, when we're not 100%, God is going to give us full credit. God is going to give us, show us his mercy and show us his kindness. So then why create with justice in the first place? If he wants us in the world, why is he making it so hard? If he's going to anyway give us 100%, if he's anyway going to give it to us, so then give it to me without having to have me go through these hoops. Without having me to go through failure, and then God schlepping me the rest of the way. If I'm getting it anyway, so then why do I need justice? Why did the world have to be created first with justice and then throw in mercy? So we understand that the reason that God created his world this way was because any greatness and goodness that God wanted to shower in us and give us, he wanted us to earn us, to earn it. The biggest favor that God does for us 
is to create a relationship with us where we deserve the things that we receive, where we work for the things that we receive. We mentioned many, many, many weeks ago a concept of Nahama de Kisufa. We mentioned the concept of bread of shame, that when you, when you get something for nothing, it brings, only, it brings a person only to a sense of, of shame, a sense of embarrassment. It doesn't, it doesn't connect you to the thing you do or to the results that it achieves. When we receive something that we deserve, when we, when we justify our existence, so then it, it makes us feel a sense, it gives us a sense of independence. Handouts diminish our sense of independence. But if it's too hard to achieve, then I'm never going to get to the goal. If being independent and if working for the things and setting the goals that I need to set to be able to achieve what I need to achieve and to connect myself to God the way I need to connect myself, if it's too difficult, so then it's never going to happen. And that's why enter chesed, enter rachman. But again, we wonder that if that's the way that God set up his world, why do I need to go through all of that work, if anyway, chesed and rachamim is going to grant me the goal that I'm achieving. Just give it to me as a gift if I'm not earning it anyway. So I think that we're making a mistake. And I think that the way that we explain the beginning of the world, that God originally created the world with justice and then changed his mind when he saw man and decided to create it with mercy and decided to, to mitigate it with mercy I think that there's a, there's a mistake in the way we understand that concept. I think that God didn't change his mind as the way that he judges us, but rather he changed creation and he changed the way that created the world. First, when he created the world without man on the first five and a half days of creation, he created the world with the midah, the attribute of justice. Because in a world of justice, as the king, as the judge, there's a certain disconnect, a certain distance between you and your subjects. He was really arm's length from the world. There were no people there. And really, the relationship with the world is, in essence, a deal. You fulfill your tasks, great. You don't fulfill your tasks, so then you're gone. If you're in, good. And if not, you're out of here. But then he realized that the human being can't live with that. And he, God, did not want to live with that. So God restructured the world and introduced mercy. So that now his relationship with the world was such that he wasn't just the judge. He wasn't just the Melech, but he was now the father. He was now the parent. It wasn't just Malkinu, but now it was Avinu. And Banim Atem Lashem Alekechem, as we spoke yesterday, we now became children to God. In a world of justice, you get fired. You don't fulfill your tasks you get fired. 
in a world of mercy, you don't get fired. You could get punished. You could get reprimanded. You could get criticized, but you're not going to get fired. And that's the restructured world that we live in, that with our relationship with God, when we step out of line, we don't get fired because we are his children. He is our parent, and we relate to him as children relate to a parent. And that's the Yud Gimel Midos. The Yud Gimel Midos, these 13 attributes of divine mercy, is a child calling out to his parent. And as much as, as, as God, as we want God, God wants us, his children. And when we call out to him, when we say to him, God, we want you to be our parent. Hashem, Hashem, we recognize your mercy, the mercy of a parent to a child. It's not magic that we're saying. It's a gut-wrenching cry from a child who cries out in longing for the parent. And God says, when I see that you want me to be your parent, then I will be your parent. And I will do what needs to be done to bring you back to me. Bris Karusa, this is a covenant that God made with the Jewish people. That when you call out these words to me, everything's going to be okay, not because of magic. But when you call out these words to me, you are telling me that you want me to be your parent and that you want to be my child. And when God hears those words, he heals the world and he heals the Jewish people. And that's why God got dressed like a chazan to show Moshe Rabbeinu not what to say, but to show Moshe Rabbeinu how to say it, how to cry out, how to call how to long, how to, how to pine away, how to beg. He was showing Moshe Rabbeinu how a child calls out to a parent. And I think that that's what the mission is saying to us. Hakol Safwi, Vaharishus Nesuna. God sees everything. He sees every Avera. He sees every transgression. He sees every misstep along with every beautiful thing that we do and every amazing moment of growth that we're involved in. But the Rishos Nesuna, he gives us our space like a parent gives space to a child to be able to grow, to be able to become something, to be able to achieve something. Because if he doesn't give us space, then we've made no choices. We've just been robots. If it was a world of justice, then we'd be fired when we stepped out of line. But in a world of mercy, he lets us make mistakes. That he applies his mercy and he looks he, he applies his mercy and he looks at the majority of the things that we do. He looks at the trajectory. He looks at the direction that we're traveling in. He looks at us as to where we're going. 
not so much focusing on what we're doing now, but what's the big picture? What's the direction that we're living our lives in? Because he recognizes that he can't push. He's got to let man make the right choices. And this mission is not telling me how the world works. How the world works, you get in a Jewish philosophy class. What this mission is telling me is, is why the world works this way. The reason why the world works this way is because God is filled with mercy to his children. And therefore, he gives us room to operate, room to become who we're going to become. He gives us a chance to, to, to succeed, and he gives us a chance to fail. And when I know and understand that I live in a world like that, so then I feel motivated to want to be able to please my parent, to want to be able to connect to my parent, to want to be closer to my parent. I feel a sense of I would never want to do that wrong because I never want to distance myself from my parent. And that's why the Mishnah presents this to me. Not because it's presenting to me the philosophical idea that God sees everything, but he gives man free choice. It's presenting the value behind that. And the value behind that is that we are God's children and that we need to see ourselves as children. And that is a continuation of the theme that was presented yesterday, that we have to recognize that we are banim atem l'asham l'keichem, that we are banim l'makom, that we are his children. And it's a chiba yisera when God explains the extent of that. You want to know how great that is? You want to know the extent of that? I'm going to explain to you what the extent of it is. That even when you make a mistake, I'm going to keep you in the family. Even when you do something wrong, I see everything you do. Hakold safui. But I'm going to judge you with love and mercy. And when I look at the kind of person you are, I'm going to look at you in totality. This Mishnah is filling in a blank from yesterday. We explained yesterday the Chiba Yaseira that an extra love God had when he showed us and he told us about it. And we wondered, what do we need the extra love for? The extra love is in the fact that God told us how valuable this was, how impactful, how important, how weighty it was that we would take it seriously. This Mishnah is spreading that out. This, excuse me, this Mishnah is defining for us the terms of how incredible it is that God treats us like his children and how that actually works. And the knowledge of that goes a long way in raising me up and strengthening me in reaching my potentials and in justifying my existence and earning the blessings of God. Usually at the end of every shir, I say the words, my thoughts. Somebody pointed out to me that they, they didn't like when I said my thoughts because it sounded a little haughty and it sounded like I was sharing, I was making it up. When I say my thoughts, what I mean is, is that those, that is my understanding. And I'm sharing with you my thoughts and understanding based on the words of Chazal, based on the words of our rabbis, based on the words of our, our commentaries of previous generations. I, Baruch Hashem, my thoughts are made up 
of the thoughts of three and a half thousand years of Jewish history. And it's with that that I say my thoughts. Everyone should have a beautiful, amazing, wonderful day. Chew this one over because I think that this is a, a beautiful and, uh, and a very, very profound understanding of this Mishnah.